one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Hey Bus Driver podcast. Uh, we are, what, a week removed from Spring ASBO conference, so we're going to try and stay with the program and keep these uh, turning out today we have john ramirez with us um kind of reached out to john through linkedin and uh on a post that he had put out there for you know people to read and kind of resonated with uh what i liked or you know what i felt right and so it was a, a good message and we're gonna get to talk to him and just a moment. Uh, Chad's here also. Chad is hopefully not driving and pulled over in a safe place because that would be not good. I'm pulling over right now. Unless he's, unless he's hands free. I'm literally pulling over right now. There you go. Chad, what time do you leave Laughlin on Friday? Uh, I left there about noon. Noon. Friday. Right. There you go. 11.30, 12. That's good. So you asked for a late checkout? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was a little... Tired. <laughs> well, we learned we learned a, we learned quite a bit during our conference. So, uh, but welcome into Chad. Thanks for being back. And hello, John. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Excited to be here. Been listening to you all for a while. It's uh, pretty neat to be a part of the show. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. So, um, what's going on? Hey, in- you don't you don't have you don't have to kiss up. You're already on it, baby. <laughs> it's good. I get it. Yeah, we have a we have a good time, but appreciate the the support and um, just a little. So, John, you're from you're in San Antonio currently, yes? Yes, or just, uh, just outside on the of San Antonio, outskirts, uh, the uh, northwest uh, side of San Antonio, going up I-10. For any of you that know that area, just outside of town, close enough to jump in, but far enough not to have to breathe the smog every day. There you go. <laughs> you're off today for uh, Good Friday. Oh yeah, we yeah. I got lucky this year. I actually got a four day weekend, so off Friday and Monday. Oh wow, so, Monday for so this is the last breather before the the end of the school year. The, we got twenty eight school days left, or something like that. One of my colleagues calls it the thirty days of May. So oh yeah, or no, maybe it's the ninety. <laughs> no, she calls it the ninety days of May. That's what it is. Feels like you know, short short fifteen days or whatever it is that we have to get to the end of the end of the year. At least in in Arizona, I don't know how Texas is, but. Uh, I know a lot of other states, you know, start much later after Labor Day, but then they're finishing up in June. But Arizona's starting in like end of July now, so mid mid to end of July, and then we're wrapping it up by mid right before Memorial Day. Right, we're uh, we're on the same one. There's a couple of different uh, calendars in, in Texas going on. Depends on uh, which one you apply for, but uh, there's a lot of districts in my area that we do uh, kind of the second week of August. We're starting. And then, yeah, the Memorial Day, we're done. That The week before, we're done. So kind of like that. Um, Texas also has another calendar that they start a little later and then first week of June. Uh, but then the kids are taking – those students are taking their finals in January oh, for the wow. first semester. So, yeah. I don't know how they do it. I would have 
dumped everything over Christmas break when I was a kid. Right. He gave me two weeks not to do anything. Yeah, kind of a <laughs> definitely. I mean, that's the that's the the even point of right. Hey, this semester's done and final finals at least for the semester are over and moving on to the next next semester. So, but that was a long time ago for school. So, but uh, I dumped everything at Thanksgiving. So. <laughs> Right. And it shows, Chad. It shows. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Appreciate that, Jason. <laughs> so I miss you so much. So glad I'm back. I know. It feels like, I so, mean, it so feels glad. like forever ago. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, forever. Yeah, they say time flies and having fun, you know. Yeah. Well, right on. John, what's, uh, you know, what's just, if you want to intro kind of your district size, kind of, you know, what your, kind of what your role is in your department and. Um, you know, a little bit about, you know, just kind of how you got into transportation, I guess. All right. Well, uh, that's the, right now, this is my third district. I'm in Bernie ISD. So that is about, uh, 330, 340 square miles. And we're just on the outskirts of San Antonio, but I got about 76 full-time employees, got about 10 non-benefited positions. Uh, we use them for like TR, our retirees, teacher system retirees, and uh, my temp positions. If I have the people to put in there while I'm training, um, just like everywhere, it's been a challenge uh, this last year, especially. Uh, by 80 buses, we're on about 60 routes right now and growing. We are in one of the fastest growing areas in Texas uh, on the outskirts of San Antonio and Austin. It's just blowing up everywhere. This district has grown. Uh, to twice its size in the last 10 years. And right now we're about 10,400 students. And by uh, 2030, we should be at almost 20,000 students. So the projection, and that's like, gosh, it's incredible. Even the slow growth is 17,000. So we're talking about doubling up almost and, and trying to be ready for that. And we got a nice bond going right now. So hopefully that, that all works out to help get the first steps. Um, yeah, I got a, Got a good little mix here, just like any other district um, staff. Uh, got a concept is still in a small district type where uh, one person and you know the operations room specialist basically that dispatcher, router, trainer, field cook. Everybody has two or three jobs. We're trying to get to the point where people got to start specializing. Um, before this, I came from Northside ISD, just next door. I was assistant director over there, and that was five stations and uh, nine hundred plus buses. And over there, the, the station is was uh, twice as big as the my my entire department right now. Wow. So um, I was assistant director there. I'm director here. And before that, I was at Uvalde CISD, which was 40 buses big, which was that's the first that's where I learned everything I, I need to know about transportation, which that was a perfect size, just big enough to make, create some major headaches to deal with, but small enough that I had to touch everything. Yeah, I had to learn how to route. I had to learn the basics. I had to, I had to do get a little bit behind everything. So that was great. I, I tell everyone I, I I got this job by the Goldilocks approach. This one's too small. This one's too big. <laughs> this one's just right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, one thing I've learned is uh, we all have the same headaches, just different volumes. You know, everybody's dealing with the same kind of issues and and and, and same challenges and. And, and it's just a different size and different amounts. Um, most, some places are like in Uvalde, I had a hundred percent. I was, I was full if I was short is cause I chose to be short at the end of the year. Cause I really didn't need everybody. Um, but I had a, a qualified people that I had to turn away 
back in back in those days. I, I look on those days with fondness. I just remember being the only one in our organization raising a hand, like, "Who's fully staffed?" Uh, yay! <laughs> but uh, now I just like I had a. I remember that feeling. I know we can get there again. Um, but the way I got into transportation, I've been in about six years now. Uh, I started. Uh, I did twenty-two years in the army, and then they said, "Well, you got to get out." Again, you know, that's it. We don't want you anymore. You're too old. I say, well, shoot, I got to do something. I got to grow up. My my dad, um, he did 22 years in the army, and he went became a teacher and a principal, and then he got into um, tra- school transportation. He has a logistics background, and so he knows me pretty well. And he had just retired, and he was helping a Uvalde get set up. They went from privatized back to owning their own. And he called me up and he says, "You got a job yet?" I was like, not yet. Nobody wants me yet, Dad. Good timing. Thanks for, you know, helping out there. And he goes, I think you should take a look at this. Um, at that point, I was doing HR stuff. Uh, and I had background in operations and planning and all sorts. Of, the thing about the military is you, they give you the opportunity to do a lot of work, a lot of work. So a lot of different jobs. So I had a pretty decent background in, in operations. And he goes, hey, I think you're going to like this job. You should try it out. Come down here and interview. They, uh, so they're, they're trying to get me to stay another year, but I don't want to. And they're asking me to find someone like me and, uh, and to stick around and train them up for a year. And I was like, yeah, let's go for the interview. What's the worst going to happen? I visit my dad, uh, get to see what he does because we've been in different states for decades, you know, and, and, uh, that was pretty neat. So I got to meet the, the crew I interviewed and I guess they were desperate enough and they said, all right, we'll take you. <laughs> and I, uh, I got to learn, I got to learn. It was great. Um, fell in love with the with the whole the the atmosphere um and as i was telling you jason earlier i was getting ready to get out and i said i'm, I'm gonna grow my hair i'm gonna i'm not gonna wake up early i'm not gonna be in charge of anything and uh, <laughs> so i jumped right into this, this transportation and yeah i'm bald waking up <laughs> early every day still <laughs> and, and yeah and i'm still in charge of stuff yeah but uh yeah, and then and then getting into professional organization, expanding the knowledge, and and that my dad really was uh, so much better than I am at this job, and it's great having a, a mentor in the family right there. I could just call over and say, "Hey, what's up? Uh, what do you think about this?" And you know, everything that I've done, he's done or experienced um, in this field, so it's always good to to pull in pull in his expertise. And then and then that he he encouraged me to reach out and get involved with different organizations I'm here on TAPT and, and the, and the uh, chapter that we have down here, Centex in Texas. So that's, uh, I can't say enough. And if anyone's listening out there, that's, is not a part of those organizations that in your state and your region, you got to do it, get that knowledge, yeah. get that knowledge and, and share yours. You know, believe it or not, um, somebody's learning from me, I think. Sure. Um, so vice versa. So, Oh, those are get out there and be involved. Definitely critical pieces, right? We were just talking about that in a couple of episodes prior about getting out there and getting either a getting involved, but not not just getting involved. If you're new to this industry and getting, you know, getting connected with your peers that are doing the same work, because like you said, everybody has the same challenges. Everybody's having the same you know, struggles of whatever that is. And if somebody is doing it right, right, somebody raises their hand and says, I'm fully staffed in a room and everybody else is looking at them like they're crazy. Like, 
well, talk to us. Talk to us about what you've done. Talk to you know how, what's your culture like. What's your what's your pay like? What are your benefits like? What you know? What is it that we can somehow replicate? Does it always work? Not necessarily. There's a lot that you know factors into demographic and you know the neighbor, the community that you're operating within. But um, I think those are all definitely key pieces. Um, you know, in, in trying to continue to grow and and develop your skill set in the in the industry. So I think it's cool that you got to. Regardless that it was your dad, it was it's cool to see that you got an opportunity to you know kind of shadow somebody for you know however long mm-hmm. a year to just kind of learn the ropes oh, yeah. because i think a lot of times right that administrator gets run out next person comes in and now they're drinking from a fire hydrant because they have zero clue what they're supposed to do unless they came from another place you know where they kind of have an idea of foundationally what they're supposed to be doing but i think those are i've, all... I've seen that too i've seen the directors come in that don't know yeah. and and uh but what Jason says, I, you know, I make comment like, hey, if you have questions, reach out, you know, to all these different organizations and associations we have, get in contact with people. If you need anything, you need to contact somebody and get you emails with some of these other directors. And that's one thing I've noticed about Arizona is the directors seem to communicate really well. And it really came out during the start of COVID and lockdown and everything. Everybody trying to figure out the best way to handle the situation, you know, a situation no one's been through before and everyone can collectively put their head together and and came up with some pretty good plans that you saw implemented across the different districts. And, and uh, yeah, I've been impressed with that from, from the Arizona side where all these districts, they tend to communicate pretty well with one another. Yeah, I think that was... That's all I had. No, and I, I mean, I agree. <laughs> that was kind of key was that, you know, with COVID starting, that was, you know, we came together and used our Zoom platforms to put other like minds in the room. And I mean, at one point we had, you know, 40, 50 people that were all equals that were literally talking about the things that they were throwing against the wall. You know, I mean, we had ideas of, of hanging, you know, shower curtains through the, through the bus. We, I mean, all sorts of stuff. And you're just like, no, or, you know, let's think logically about how we're going to go about this. And I think that a lot of the smaller districts look to the larger districts and said, we're going to mirror and implement whatever it is that they're doing. So, you know, fortunately, you know, a lot of us had good leadership from the, at the district level. Um, but we're, you know, they were also, the district was looking back at us saying, Hey, you're the experts in the room. So tell us what we legally can be doing right. Based on our minimum standards or federal guidance or whatever was coming out. So, you know, there were some that took the approach of, hey, we're just going to mask everybody and put everybody on the bus like we normally do and sanitize in between routes. There there were other people that were like, no, we're only going to put 13 kids on a bus and, you know, stagger every row and we're just going to run, you know, routes all day long every day. Like I just some of those logistics, you know, for some maybe the smaller districts that might work, but for the ones that you know are transporting, you know, anywhere from five to 20,000 kids, it's just not realistic. So. Yeah, we was, um, that, that was uh, at the beginning, everybody was just calling everyone going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, are you paying your drivers? What are we going to do right. when, they're, when they don't come in? How do you bring them in? What about your maintenance? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of, for those that had not had a network set up prior to, they were having a rough time, you know, not, not knowing who to talk to. Um, but uh, that was a big boost at that time uh, when we saw a lot of districts that hadn't uh been vocal before hadn't been seen they started popping up and then now you know they realize the importance of, of having these kind of knowledge networks but yeah you, you said it right there trying to figure out there was ideas everywhere <laughs> and then 
And I think uh, it's like, well, what's the right way? Um, uh, that's uh, that was a good one. Like here at Bernie, we actually we continued to transport during summer of twenty. When I got here in June of twenty, they said, "Oh, we're gonna have summer school." And I was like, "All right, great." Um, so we transported some students, and we did the twelve per, and that was a great little test bed for us. And I was to be able to show the the the, the leadership team that. All right, so how does this look like during the school year? I'm right. like, well, it looks like 147 buses is what it looks like if we're going to do it like that. And they're like, oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we actually, here in Bernie, we actually uh, transported, kept transporting right through. We didn't put any limits, and we powered through it all. And then, you know, followed the, the cleaning guidelines. And and then people, you know, kind of ask. And uh, we're on the edge of the, the uh, completely shut down districts and then the districts that we're not shutting down at all. Um, so there was a lot of questions being asked all around. How do you do this? How do you do that? I think that's the biggest point of all of this and including podcasts and like this, that, Hey, share, talk. Yeah. Listen. Yep. And I, I, I mean, like I said, I, I can't stress that enough. And I, I think the other side of it, you were saying earlier in the kind of the pre-show meeting that, you know, we can do anything depends on how much you want to blow that budget. Right. Or how much, it's, mm-hmm. how much it's going to cost you. So, and again, I think the harder challenge was staffing people, right? We lost several people because their doctors were telling them, you know, hey, you shouldn't be out there exposed to this, one. The other people who were, you know, cautiously just saying, hey, I'm not going to take the risk on their own personal level and saying, I'm going to step out. And then trying to, you know, tell people like, hey, we're still operating. So if you lost your job, like come give bus driving a shot because we're, you know, we're still, we're still at it and working. So, you know, I mean, we were fortunate enough. uh, Our district kind of went through this uh, hybrid schedule where parents were able to opt into a hybrid option. Then kids were able to stay. So we our, our student transportation numbers went down to almost, you know, 1500 kids. So we had half of our staff working at schools and half of our staff driving pretty much our like special population. So, you know, there were, there were people that we had hired right before COVID started that hadn't driven a bus for a full year. I mean, they didn't, or they got to drive a bus with only say 10 or 15 kids on it. So when we came back in 21, Right now they got full loads and they've never had that exposure to what an actual busload of kids looks like. And they're like freaking out because uh, this isn't what anything's been like for for me for the last year. You know, did you guys experience anything like that? Chad? Did we, wait, did we experience what? What Chad I'm not did. a transportation director. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, I thought okay. I was gonna let you get a talk. I thought I didn't want to be stepping all over. No, no, you're fine. No, no, I, no. I, I was, I was. I'll chime in. And I'll interrupt when I'm ready. I, so right. I was gonna say I totally, I supported the idea of you know, twelve, fifteen, twenty kids per bus. Let's all buy a lot more buses. Federal government just needs to buy a bunch of buses for everybody, <laughs> and then you guys can have you know, you can have 147 buses. I supported that idea, but that was yeah. you know, selfishly. Yeah, <laughs> I was all for that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll work out for you. But uh, yeah, as for us, we did the hybrid thing too. We, parents got the choice here. Um, our numbers went down a little, so we were able to survive with our drivers that, that we did lose a few. Same thing like you said. Uh, we're, we have an older population and, and most of our drivers, so of course they have to take, take that consideration. And completely understandable. Um, you have to think about it. Um, 
And I mean, even without COVID, we were flu season was that that just, you know, that knocked us out. You know, that was flu season was awesome in, in our stuff. So, um, yeah, the numbers slowly crept up, but they came back quick. They came back quick. By the end of that first year, we were we were back up. We still we open at about 75 percent of what we normally carry. So and that kind of hovered around there for a while. And by the end of the year, we were at 90 percent. Then this year, we're 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 way over the numbers we were last year. I'm already at capacity. It's going to be fun. Do you guys um, do any? Just, uh, do you do any like sign up for the bus so that you can kind of plan accordingly, or are you just going based on what's eligible in your kind of based on your your community? Based on we're eligible. It's based on community historical uh, guidelines. We're working on trying to get a a digital or some kind of registration system. A little tough when when they've never. A lot of districts around here have never registered for bus service. Sure. Um, so it's breaking fun. that cycle, plus making it available for everyone, not just online, but also the paper. How do you get everything in on that? And what what are you going to do once you once you reach a number? I mean, you register uh, because, like right now, even people we do have people calling. We kind of do a soft register, and we're trying to do it. But yeah, like I tell my boss, like I got, I have four or five thousand people that say they want to ride. Only about three. So what did you do? What did you do before? They just showed up at the bus stop. Pretty much, uh, it's a huh. we we don't have the same thing we did at Northside, um, and in Uvalde, we're, when I got there, we're just starting to do where you call and you have to sign up. Um, so yeah, historical um, and a lot of districts around here do that. Just historical type of we know what rides in in a certain mm-hmm. area, but then you run into a lot of problems of you have a high chance of under or overuse of buses sure um, especially in the larger districts where the numbers are just all over the place and in, 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 yeah we uh, we would see that we'd have routes that were you know loaded for 115 kids and we we knew that we weren't going to get that so historically right. we could look back and say eh, it's a full bus but we weren't ever going to be up over capacity so you know those are kind of the the that give and take, right? And there's kudos yep. to all the districts that are that are bringing in student tracking and whatnot. I was just curious as far as uh, like yeah. how COVID, you know, how COVID went as far as from planning, right? And that mm-hmm. that's where my previous district is really struggling right now is because the last couple of years they've been way under. And so now if that hybrid model goes away, how many parents are going to put their kids back on the bus or how many of them are going to continue driving their students to you know to school and, and from school so are those numbers going to stay where they're at because we did we compressed a whole bunch of routes right as drivers were yeah. leaving we went you know 10 to 15 routes just eliminated gone that haven't been operating for the last couple of years and so now it's like well without having that sign up piece how do we know truly who's coming back and to chad's point that i mean yeah they they just show up and you know so you're kind of playing uh catch up or um you know putting out fires when parents are calling and saying hey or the drivers you know alerting you going yo i had 72 kids on this bus and i left five kids you know five kids at the school i need i need either a bigger bus or hey we need to be looking for and identifying routes that are shorter or have less kids right and it i mean Again, it's hard and to I hire think, bus drivers and hire hard to you know figure that out. And then it takes. Are you a are long you guys? Time. Is Bernie look? Is Bernie looking into? Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Is Bernie looking into uh, any type of GPS and student tracking systems? And there's yeah, so many out there that are super impressive now. I mean, it's it's amazing what they have available. And we were just talking about that at the conference with a few different districts that had switched, went to different system, 
and we're having great success with it. A couple of them brand new, really excited to get started. And, and I mean, doesn't, doesn't that help, uh, transportation departments, school districts? Doesn't that help you guys like your 100 day reports or like you get a head count of how many kids are using the bus? Obviously it helps directors know that, Hey, I've got 27 kids that ride this bus. I don't need a 77 passenger over there. I need it over here. I can send a 54 passenger over here and pick these kids up along with the special needs kids. You know, I mean, I see where it could help you guys be more efficient. That's why I'm wondering, like with you guys, you show up, kids show up. Now you're, you're getting ready to do the sign up or looking into doing the sign up bill, but as far as the tracking as well, so you can be more efficient. You, know, you may need to buy more buses. You may not need as many buses as you have. You, you know, you may need different buses to, to fill routes. Yeah, you're uh, you're, you're exactly dead on it. Technology and all that's going to have to be leveraged to help with that. And as far as Bernie, yeah, we're on a we're on that cusp of having to to move away from the smaller district way because uh, we're still small enough in the transportation where we can still do things by you know, doing the by name, uh, uh, doing that, using paper, using the dry waste board uh, to do the operations planning, stuff like that. We're still in that window where that can, that still functions well. Um, but we're not going to be. So that's what we're focusing on. And yeah, the, the student tracking, the route and the GPS, um, we've been looking into that and starting to get that stuff together. Uh, we'll be right around the corner. There's more districts around us are now going into the full, uh, the track, the, the live, live bus tracking and the student ridership. And that's what really interests me. And, uh, you must've been looking at my notes there, Chad, cause that's, uh, <laughs> um, what, what excites me about coming up on technology is how much is going to help us in data gathering. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's one of the well, things. And, that and we've, we've had, a, we've had a few podcasts with, with companies that do that. So if you go back mm-hmm. through the archives, you could actually hear some episodes of some different companies that, uh, that offer that service. And it's, it's, very impressive. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's head and shoulders above where, well, I mean, I didn't ride the bus growing up. Our town was a mile by mile. You just walked to school. Uphill. But, in um, the snow both ways, right? Uphill, uphill both yeah. ways, yes. <laughs> with, with dogs chasing you. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's so just what they're able to do and, and keep track of kids. And you've had this. I'm sure you've had the phone calls and everyone's had the phone calls. And like, hey, my kid didn't come home. Where's my kid? Well, oh. Well, they got off at such and such stop. Oh, well, his friend lives over there. He must be there. You know, you're able to actually track a kid as well, which in this day and age is important. Yeah, and it's uh, everything. And basically, you know, everything that we do revolves around what's, what what can we do for the student or what can we do for the parent. And whatever we do for them also helps us out. And that's, I've always, when I'm looking at routing and, and where it's going and, uh, and the live tracking, I'm telling I kind of whittle down to what are the most important things that this system needs to answer. Number one, uh, where's the bus right now? That's, I mean, mm-hmm. most of our calls we get in and then we're calling and bothering the driver about, Hey, where you at? What's your ETA? Where you at right now? Is my student on the bus? Did he make it on the bus? That's another question. And uh-huh. the, the most important one, because who wants to be standing out there for 10, 15 minutes wondering when the bus is going to be, where's it at along the route? How far is it from my stop? So those three things right there is driving everything as far as what we're going to put on that bus that you have to be able to answer those. But you answer those questions for the parents and for the students, and it only helps us, you know, and, and yeah, you automate oh, all yeah. those things that you take the distractions away from the driver uh, because they got a lot to do for what they get paid. 
they have a lot to do. Now, if I can quit having to call you and you're driving a bus and go, hey, is so-and-so on board? Um, uh-oh. Did we freeze up? No, you're good. Oh, there we go. Um, is so-and-so on board? And then you have to stop, look around, you know, pull over, do your stuff. If I could just look on a computer and see that they swiped yeah. on at this stop and, oh, by the way, I'm not – that and, and the parent on the other end, uh, I mean, they won't even have to call us now with the app. So that's that's exciting to me. Yeah, the app, and, the app for the parent could be like, oh, yeah, my kid got on the bus and oh, it looks like it's, you know, a mile from the house. The challenge <laughs> with getting really good like that, and that's what I've always told everyone, yeah, we create our own problem because you get really good service because we're trying to get to good service. Well, the better service you give, the more parents are wanting to put their kids on buses. And that's great because the safest spot for a kid yeah, is, great. Is, is on a bus. <laughs> yeah. But I, but then, okay, we created our own monster. You know, I, I can only more transport. More kids, more buses. I'm for yeah. it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and even I'll add even beyond that, some of the things that we saw when as we started really piloting the parent side of the app we didn't have the student tracking but at least it was more of the um, being able to follow the bus and get the alerts uh-huh. that the bus was in the area so if that program's not working the way that it should be right or you're having an outage or something uh, those parents are like it has to be on its a game and you need to make sure that you have i think the other side of it is that departments need to have the personnel to be able to manage it right you can't I don't I don't truly think, at least in, in the experience of what I've been able to work with, that you can rely on the tech support side from the software company to manage your services when you have an outage or when you have issues or you have whatever, even to the extent of not even relying on your own district's IT, right? You need to have mm-hmm. people that have permissions to get into the servers and restart services and you know, be able to troubleshoot with a parent and do some of that stuff. There are some companies out there that have kind of a whole dedicated, um, I guess, department for that type of stuff where the parent can just call in. But I feel like that's more specific to if they're having problems on their on their personal device, like their phone, yeah. or they're having trouble logging in or those types of things. But having somebody that's integral and understand the the challenges of keeping software uploaded, right? That, that may be somebody that's not even a transportation person, right? That that's getting creative and creating a position that is an, you know, an IT specialist or an analyst or something that comes in and, and they're just there to make sure that your cameras, that your GPS, that your student tracking, that your routing is all full fledged and going because as soon as you have an outage, I mean, you're basically sending out a communication to parents going, oops, you know, sorry, our system's down and we don't know when it's coming back up. That just creates a whole other sample of headaches. Well, and you touched on a second ago, providing service, you know, good service for the parents. So my question to you is, what are charter and private schools? How are they operating? How's that going in Texas? I know when I sold used buses, we sold a bunch of uh, use buses to uh, IDEA, IDEA, or whatever IDEA, they call. Yeah. I don't know if they're, yeah, are they even still around or not? I'm sure they are. They were massive oh, back yeah. then, but um, you know, they bought cheap used buses. So, you know, they weren't putting money in transportation. There is just a service that they provided, and they do it as cheap as possible. So, are they going to go out and put a a Snowy or one of those systems in all their buses? Probably not. So, how I look at it as you the combat the charter schools is the service side, along with the education, obviously. you got to provide a good education, good resources for the students, but also the service side where you've got to provide a service to the parents where it is convenient 
more convenient and helpful for them to send a, a public school versus throwing them at a charter school or, you know, even a private school where, you know, there's a lot of parents out there that, and I'm one of them, you know, Courtney and I are one of them where we, we couldn't send our kid to charter school. He wanted to go to one, but it's like, well, no, cause they don't have a bus stop anywhere near a house. And I can't, we can't get off work and come pick you up four miles away from the house at a bus stop, you know, where they drop you off. I mean, it's, it's not feasible. The public school brings you close, drops you off. You know, we know what they provide. We know their history. We know they're going to be in business next year, you know? So I yeah. think the service side is something that the, the public school is going to have to improve on, on the transportation side, the, you know, the mill side. I mean, all, all those different uh, services they provide parents and students in order to combat charter schools taking students away from. Because I've heard of people that have sent their kid to charter school and have sent them back to public school because it's an inconvenience. And the, you know, the education may be a little bit better. It's a little more up to date or a little more, uh, what do you want to call? I don't know what you want to say, modern or, or, you know, um, they can, they can be more focused with their funds. That's, that's what happens at charterfields. They can be more focused with their funding. And I really, when I came in here, you know, I came out of the, you know, being published like a school district hearing, you know, the, so I asked one of the smartest guys I know in transportation, um, uh, Dr. Kane Smith, you know, I talked to him a lot. I think he was on your podcast not too long ago. Not yet. I uh, I would love to get him on, but I have. Oh wait, no, that's the yet. other podcast that we should not talk about. Um, <laughs> Ouch. Ow. Yeah, but uh, but Dr. Kane Smith, uh, he's one that I reached out to, and I poke him a lot. But you know, I asked him a good, have a good explanation of why exactly is charter school? What's the problem? What's the issue? Um, and, and kind of opened my eyes, and they're like, yeah, the charter schools they can choose not to they can get state funding here in texas they can get state funding for transportation and they can do that some of them do provide transportation service um but not to the extent that we do uh, not to a public school because they can be more focused because transportation quite frankly is very expensive it's a it's a it's a highly inefficient system which we're trying to be efficient as possible because you got to go everywhere and it's not uh, you know, sometimes the kid will be there. Sometimes they won't. And then like in my case, I've got a good mix of metropolitan and, you know, some uh, city. And then I've got a lot of rural out there too. So I've got buses that are rolling out there with 12 kids on board, but they're, they're hauling for 45 minutes. And you hate to see a 71 passenger bus with 12 kids mm-hmm. on board, but you don't have a choice in order to make it to school on time. And oh, by the way, you're also picking up the middle school and high school together because you're never going to make it in time. Right. Um, because of the distance, but yeah, that's, um, it's just expensive and, and we got to put that, get that service in there and find the balance. And, but society nowadays, you know, some people are like, Oh, I'll just take their kids to school. Well, are we built like that anymore? You know, with two parents having to work, uh, you know, everybody trying to make, yeah. out of, and who are we built to, for a parent to be able to be there every time in the morning to put their kid on the bus and, uh, or to take them to school and, and get back in time to pick them up. And it, it's, it's the reality is some people just have to accept that, Hey, the, this busing to school is, it's a necessity. It's not, um, it's not a nice thing to have anymore. It's a necessity in order to be able to, to, for the parents to be able to, to, to commit to providing their student with whatever lifestyle they want to do. Um, it's tough. Yeah. The, the luxury, the luxury of the, of the of the housewife waving at their kids from the front porch so they get on the bus so 
she can do whatever you know during the day yeah. that's gone now the mom's like rushing to work hey don't miss the bus i gotta go and then you know you got to trust that the kids actually yeah, getting out there in time I was trying to be a house husband after returning out of the <laughs> army, but my wife wouldn't let me. She, uh, they call those domestic engineers. Domestic, yeah, I had a plan, but uh, no, no, that didn't work out. Yeah. So, John, yeah. what would you yeah, say? Nice your... yeah. Go ahead, Chad. Apparently, you didn't cook her clean well enough because if you cook and clean really well, she'd have been like, "Yeah, stay home, dude. This is great. Yeah. This is great food." Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> So, John, yeah, what would yeah. you what would you say your I guess your biggest challenges have been? You know, as you said, you guys are growing, or you're you're on the on I guess the cusp of growing. So, what's that been like? You know, what what do you say is your biggest your biggest challenge? Right? Is it is it staffing like everybody? Is it retaining people? Is it you know just kind of figuring out how how transportation fits in with the the growth that is getting ready to take place? Yes, to all of them. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest challenge, is specific to my area here, is is getting over, getting past the, you know, you get a lot of, hey, that's the way we've always done it. Um, and then the small district stuff, the small district, you can be very responsive to the needs of the parents. Hey, I can I can move the stop from here to there, no problem. Or hey, I can we can pull up really close to your, your the end of your driveway and. Hey, we can do this. We can we can be responsive because you you have uh you, you normally have enough drivers and routes, and you actually don't have enough work for the drivers. So anything that pops up, you can cover. The larger we've gotten, and the, the, we're now especially at the ten thousand point, it's, it's somewhere around nine thousand, probably where it gets very interesting. You you, you can't you got to lose some of that responsiveness. You can't. You just can't maintain it without having a ridiculously huge department. So getting away from well, I remember when we used to pick up at the end of the driveway. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, but I, I can't, I can't stop every fifteen feet uh, right. just to, to pick the bus up would kids. never make it. <laughs> right, and getting getting that idea that that this is where we have to grow into. Just like we had to make more schools. Just like we had to, uh, we have these different programs that have popped up. Um, we have to change how we're how we're doing the, the transportation services. Doesn't mean we have to get less services it's just we have to take certain steps to be more efficient and unfortunately sometimes you have to say no more than you say yes and and that hurts and and i have that conversation almost on a daily with different parents and I, if i could if i could provide that level of service i would but i can't do it fairly across the board sure so that kind of i mean with with more with more buses you could i'm going to go I, back to that i'm going to keep know, harping yeah, on I, that I with more thing, buses more buses yeah oh yeah, yeah that's, but, uh... but what chad keeps forgetting i know he's on a on a high point of selling buses or getting people to buy buses is that he there you need drivers for those right you can't right and that's that, that was going to lead to my that next comes, that comes back that comes back to the service i'm working on providing drivers he, with buses he thinks I'm he's going to sell that. a dri I'm, driver I'm, with a bus yeah there yeah. you go that's the way to do it yeah that's the See? that's the biggest challenge telling the transportation story because i found and as much as i've gotten into this and i will talk to a wall about transportation and schools and all the fun stuff i, I love talking about this <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of people don't don't uh, they, their eyes start glazing over after about thirty seconds of me talking about, hey, here's what, what what's going on. So getting the the transportation story out there to the point to be able to understand that in order to to provide the service we want for the kids, because that's what that's what we exist for, get the kids to and from school. Um, 
these are the things that have to happen. This is where we got to grow. This is where we got to go into. And there's so many people out there just, just to educate people on, do you know a bus cost? Uh, 135000 is what I have to plan for, between 125000 135000 especially with the increases in cost and, um, and, and all those little nuances of, okay, it, uh, it's not as easy to just say, uh, okay, I'll just open another route over there. Okay, what do I do with that driver for the rest of the time? What about this? What about that? What about the other? All those things that all our, you know, the routers and the, and the managers got to worry about and how to balance it. Plus, like one of my favorite sayings is telling people when they go, why can't we, why can't we say, remember, we're not a transportation institution. We are an education institution. Yeah. We are supporting the education. So we're always going to be uh, not at the front of the line. For resources we're not going to be part of it because it, it and, and it should be by all means prioritized for education of the child so we have to find a way to fit into that and we have to be able to and that's where my job comes in and that's the challenge for me is how do i put the story of what my department's needs are in a context that shows this will benefit the students to the maximum amount with this much and i know it's expensive and, and I've seen it, not just not talking about my district and stuff, but I've been exposed enough to the state um, and looking at other districts. And now I've been in three different districts that that is a big challenge, being able to tell the transportation story and the needs in a way that makes sense to those that are in charge of resources. And not only that, you got to be able to sell it to the community. Yeah. The community has to understand. Because all the community sees is like it costs nine million dollars for replace your buses in the next day. Like, yes, it does, and that's not yeah. what's wrong with the buses it. that are sitting in the yard right now, right? And and that's all. Those are all the big pieces, right? I, you know, I mean, yeah. even stat like teachers and you know they're like, well, I don't understand. Can't you just get another bus? No, it, like that we don't have the driver to do that. I'm already driving around. That's or, what I say. Or whatever. So you know, I think it's. I've always said if you. If you watch Lord of the Rings, I said, we're not an orcs factory where we just say, oh, yeah, just fire up another <laughs> driver and a bus, you know, and we'll have we'll have one right away for you um, there. I, I, that's the point. Right. Nobody nobody fully understands that stuff. We do because, right. we, you know, we come we from it, it or we live it. But the community doesn't necessarily the schools don't necessarily the, the district administrative administration doesn't necessarily. Right. There's there's people that understand. But. You know, when you're when you're trying to vie for your uh, department to get X amount of dollars and you're trying to say, well, this is more important than these other departments. Right. Everybody's kind of in contention with each other, trying to figure out, like, where they fit in the puzzle. And, you know, I mean, some districts, they that money goes directly into the classroom and the teachers and, you know, support support staff or support initiatives for students. And so, you know, that's why we see buses that are 15 17 18 years old that are still on the road you know and breaking down that's why we see staff that's moving on for 50 cents more to go to another district right i mean do you guys Mm -hmm. see that kind of turnover where are you in competition with some of the other districts in your in your area oh yeah this um this uh this last year has been seeing the biggest jumps all across uh the districts all around us um i've got districts touching mine um that are paying six dollars more an hour Uh, but uh, it just depends on what you're looking for Um, and they don't need that many the smaller districts so 
all the, the smaller districts on the edge of a metropolitan area are trying to pull the drivers from inside the city to come out. Well, you got to, they, they got to want to come out this direction. Right. So you see that those high prices and high amounts. Um, but, uh, and then all the districts inside of San Antonio, I mean, there's like 17 districts in our region around San, in San Antonio. So the drivers have a pick of where they want to go. You want to drive for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just depends how much traffic you want to, you want to compete against. So the biggest thing is, is I'm not losing many drivers to other districts like that unless they already live in there. It's the ones that start working here and then they realize, especially with the gas that come up, I've lost a couple of younger ones that, Hey, I don't have to drive so far. That's tough. But yeah, if they're going to do it for the money, I mean, I can't, I can't argue too hard against that. That's all it takes for you to, to move on. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, that's why kind of what, uh, I was alluding to in that, in the, uh, LinkedIn comment I made is that, you know, we're looking for people that give more than they take, you know, and in this job, how do you attract a driver to a job that, or someone to do this job that, you know, Hey, Oh, by the way, I need you in the morning you know, from five thirty to eight thirty, And then I may or may not have work for you between eight thirty and two, but then you need you back at two and then maybe five thirty, and maybe tutoring run and on the weekends, give up your time too. And, and now uh, this is how much I'm going to pay you for it, which uh, it, and, and oh, by the way, I'm going to train you on all this stuff and I'm going to make you ready to, to deal with anything, a student and, and the most important thing in anyone's life is going to be riding behind you. Multiply that times 60. No stress though. And everybody's <laughs> going to be trying to hit you while you're on the, on the road. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough sell. So, and I was a recruiter a little bit in the army, so I know about tough sells there and that right there. <laughs> Is it, are you saying it's harder to recruit a bus driver than it is to recruit a soldier? Well, and, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, you're, you're looking, it's tough. Um, it, it's uh, trying to find out and finding and finding the, the fit, you know, and what's best for the kids. Uh, and, and for for attracting the Bernie, you know, I'm like, uh, it, it, first thing I say is, hey, we got great drives out here. Because I tell you what, I will drive any, and I have driven quite a few routes here this year. Um, which is good because now I know all my routes almost uh, intimately, yeah. like every single one of them. So that's great. Uh, but some of those coming over the hills on here within the sunsets or the, oh, uh, yeah. the sunrises, beautiful. Yeah. And in the mornings, the kids are nice and quiet in the back. And um, there's some kids that there's one bus ride I had. They started singing on, Vener- on Veterans Day. They did a little God Bless America thing, and the whole bus broke out singing. It's little uh, elementary kids. And I was thinking, <laughs> man, if I could take this shot right here, and put it out there um, for those people out there. But giving more than you can take uh, from society, because that's what that this job's all about. Um, you're doing it for the yeah. kids. You're doing it to take care of a need that society has, and it is a need. But how do you find people in your area that are at that point in life that can handle that? Um, that's the challenge. And that's what working with HR, working with, um, and, and, and is pay, Higher pay, paying them, you know, 30, if you pay over $30 an hour, yeah, you're going to get applicants. They're the right people, though. But, that's, yeah, mean, that's... they're the right people. That's It's 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 the atmosphere. It's uh, sure. Well, then you, get people doing it just for the, then you get people doing it just for the money. And those aren't yeah. the people that need to be in that position. Right. You don't want people doing it just for the money. I think you, want you want people to, doing it out of their heart. You want, to, you want to compensate fairly, right? I mean, it's, it's hard yes. to... I think there's two sides of it. I don't know what the you know what the start average rate in Texas is, but 
you know, here I'd say it's probably in the bright where, you know, now minimum wage, our minimum wage is still at 12, but I think most places are, are bumping it up to 15, right? So, like, how do you compete with that? You can go drive a trash truck for the city at 25, 27 bucks an hour and you're by yourself and you're picking up people's trash. You know, I think comp- competing or paying fairly for that wage for bus drivers to carry the eight to to dozen certifications that they have to on an annual or by, you know, by annual basis, the, the kids that they have to deal with. And just, I think there's nothing more that's more frustrating than hiring a brand new driver and seeing them come in. They're excited to do this work. They get trained. They're, they're excited when they get their license and they're pumped and jazz and they go drive for the first week and they just get the crap beat out of them by the kids. And they just, you can see it on their face. and like, what did I just get myself into? I didn't sign up for this and I don't get paid enough to do this. Right. So how do we, how do we help tailor that? Right. That's a whole nother conversation in student management and, and working with the schools and the parents to get on board with that. But just right that, that minimum wage or that minimum wage threshold to, to deal with all of those things that you've already, you know, talked about and listed. This is such a challenge. And, and so there's, there's that key, right? Either the people are like, Hey, I've been doing this for 20 some years and they've got retirement on their, on their forefront or benefits, mm-hmm. right? They're bridging a gap between retirement from one place till they can close social security. So, you know, are they necessarily here for the right reasons? Maybe, maybe not, but I think those that's are your all... answer is to start recruiting Trash so you truck, recruit for the military. Now start recruiting retirees coming out of the military for school buses. You'll keep those kids in line. They'll listen. <laughs> they'll be. They'll behave. And those well, guys, you know, they're going to show up on time. <laughs> it's um not a bad idea, Chad. Um, we'll, we'll circle back to that. Uh, no, no, it's okay. um there is a lot of military, a lot of veterans in 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 the bus service uh, because that simple fact of that. Um, some of them are looking for, hey, I just need something to keep me busy, but I still want to be useful. So the community, so there's a lot in there. And then they end up figuring out that, hey, this is not bad. And then they end up, a lot of them end up moving up. Um, but yeah, yeah get, get getting, uh, finding that person that in your, in your community. That's the other thing too. Um, one thing I'm finding here is it's like when I was in Northside, more in San Antonio, it's real easy in some of the more you know, dense areas that in five minutes, in 10 minute circle, they could be in three different districts. So you we were all competing over a bunch of people and that they could, they could move around fluidly here, no problem. And really not much more out of pocket costs for them here. In order for me to hire someone out of district to come in, that's a drive. And that's, um, and that's not only a drive, it's the traffic that you got to fight to get here. Or you're coming from out further West, nice and lonely spots, but people that live here, they're going to stick around for a while, um, finding them at the right time and being able to provide them a better work environment. And, 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 or, Hey, and that's the other thing too. I like about this size of district is, you know, your, your department, your team becomes your family uh, kind of environment. You know, we love our potlucks and transportation. If anything, we become a one big crazy family sometimes, but we're all in it together and we take care of each other. So finding people that want that kind of atmosphere when they come to work, Plus, what I tell a lot of people that transportation is one of those is interesting compared to any other department um, that we get people, a big chunk of our people, our drivers have already completed uh, careers, have already lived full lives, have already 
been there, done that. I've got some people here that were in charge of more than I've ever been. People that have owned their own businesses, people that uh, they quite literally don't need the money, but they're doing it to, you know, to, to keep busy and, and to, to get some benefits out of it, which is great. Uh, the medical benefits, who doesn't want some medical benefits out of it? But they have a lot of work experience. They got a life experience. So it's not like brand new people that want to get in here mold and, and, and they, they're going to fall into a certain. Oh, you, you have to deal with all their different personalities and they have a lot of knowledge. So you can really pull on that stuff. Sure. Um, but nobody came with a degree of how to be a school bus driver uh, <laughs> there or, or even your staff. You know, yeah. Here, here's a school, it's a school transportation operation degree. If there's a school out there giving it, I, I'd, I'd like to find it and, nope. <laughs> because it's a, it's a need. Yeah, definitely. So, John, what would you think are your um, kind of we touched on it earlier with the technology, but what are the things that, you know, you've been, you said eight years in this? What are, what are the things? Six, six, six years? No, seven, okay. seven years. So what, what are the things that you're most excited to see now that you didn't necessarily have, I mean, maybe access to um, six years ago? So – there was a lot more resistance to having a kid check on and check off a bus. So I've seen that kind of improve just since I've been here. Now it's more accepted that, hey, it does make sense because contact tracing. And not only that, it's like, that's great because if I know exactly who's getting on and off a bus, well, that's going to help my route planning, my efficiency and everything like that. And then I can, uh, I can do my job better. The technology that lets the, uh, Internet of Things, the big the transfer onto buses and, and everything like that, where everybody's communicating with each other, going to that direction where a student will swipe on a bus, the bus driver knows it, knows where they're going to drop off, parent knows it, campus knows it, the dispatcher headquarters knows it, and I got in, a, and in the, the information is shared instantaneously, up and down. That is awesome in my eyes, the, the safety of the child and security. Uh, will and and help that driver, especially that sub driver, when they get on board, and know exactly, hey, this student needs to be handed off to an adult right here. That kind of technology, and and it's out there, and it's only getting better and more affordable. So that's really neat. Um, the data being able to be shared across the board uh, is, is what I've seen has gotten better and better, and, and the understanding that um, it's not just driving a bus. You know, they're going to need all this stuff on board. Uh, sure. They're getting this technology between the cameras, the Wi-Fi, the 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 all that everything talking to each other. That's going to be a very complicated piece of equipment, which means, yeah, we're going to need somebody to be able to troubleshoot that stuff and fix it. So that's more jobs out there to to help out um, and 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 take care of the students. But that's that's really excites me because the the tracking of the buses. When I first saw that, I was like, oh, we did this in the in the army. We had Blue Force Tracker. And I guess it's not as complicated as what we had in the Army, but it's the same concept. I need to know where my soldiers well, that's good are. To know. Yeah. You know, it's it's, 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 good, it's good to know the military uses a more complicated system than school bus. Just, that's just good. a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> they also have a lot more funding available to them, Chad. There's like Sinovia yeah. on their tanks. I'd be concerned. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Are you guys tapping into uh, or starting to explore the, the electric vehicle market at all? Yeah, actually, um, we are looking into we're going to go ahead and see how much it would cost to get one. And we got a with the bond. Uh, we have a bond uh, this ooh, by the end of this month. Um, 
we've outgrown our transportation department and maintenance. So we're hoping that with the bond, there's a new operations center coming. So that's part of the first step in growth here is like, all right, we got to get the facilities to be able to put the buses and put everything in. And as part of that is, you know, electric uh, buses around here are starting, are just starting to pick up the real push. So we're going to explore that. The only problem with electric buses for us right now, especially in my area, is the hill country. Okay. You start putting hills on that, yeah. the the length. Uh, I can't get as much time, drive time from out of there. So we, we're going to be really exploring. Oh, I got, a, I, got a, I got a story for you there. Yeah. I, and I don't want to promote our product, but there is a bus out there I'm very familiar with that has a regenerative braking system, has three settings. And actually, quick story, you mentioned hills, and I always hear hills. And this is my story to that is, uh, they were in California, demoing the bus for a big school district, and they're like, well, can't go up this hill because other buses haven't made it. I'm like, oh, sounds like a challenge. <laughs> Run up the hill, use like 17% of the battery getting up this massive hill out in California. They got up there, they took pictures and visit and all this. Come back down, they turn on the regenerative braking in the highest setting, actually had to like throttle it a little bit because it was pulling, it was slowing it down so well, but they put something like 14% of the charge back into the battery. So that's something to consider. It's definitely worth getting reaching out to your dealer and saying, "Give me a test drive. I want to see this thing perform on hills. The yeah, pull hills great. Yeah, it's and a if power. You have a regenerative braking setting. Yeah, I got to drive one and it didn't have the uh, it didn't have the regulator. I just like, hey, yeah, you push it. It felt that was awesome. I was like, Let I mean, you can get tires out with this stuff. <laughs> but uh, and, I, and I'm all in for it. It's it's uh, okay. The infrastructure too. Like I know yeah. when the fact uh, for where I'm at right now, I can't plug it in the wall and we can't, we're not built to, to bring in. So whatever we're building next is kind of like, we got to keep that in mind that, okay, we got to get that power into there. Yeah. So how do we charge them? And yeah. all those kind of things around here. Um, and plus this is Texas. We like our propane and gas. Diesel. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> diesel. Well, yeah. And, and, uh, and unfortunately, we, have a, we have some hills over here that the gas and propane and man, they, um, I've been on it. The kids are back there going, you know, the speed limit's uh, 35. I'm like, I know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's, it's going. So I, will, I, I will tell you, as, as you guys move into this, and this is the sell side, and this is what I've been telling my customers is EV, electric vehicles, electric buses, people are going to have to change their mindset on how they purchase a vehicle. You may be loyal to one brand, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I've had great luck with this brand. Great. Okay, great. Yeah obviously you've done well you like them you're you're lots full of them all right but you got to step back and go i need to look at what the best product is out there right now everybody's in the first generation nobody's really more advanced than the other as far as like you know they're not on their second generation of electric bus everyone's pretty well in the first generation of this so to step back and look and really do the due diligence because they are not cheap at all and even if, even if you're being given a grant and you're being given a bus, do your due diligence, explore all the options, and and hey, if they're serious, they'll they'll figure out a way to get you a test drive. They'll figure out a way to get you an experience on that bus to, to you know try it out and to reach out to other districts that have purchased because there's been successes and there's been failures, and yeah. you got to step back and really explore like who's doing it better right now. Like who's, who's doing it better, but also who's going to be more supportive of us right now, our district, our bus, you know, that type of thing. I mean, it's really important that schools take a different approach and it's like, Oh, well, I've always bought propane or I've always bought diesel or whatever from this, this company that have been great. I'm just going to buy electric. 
their electric may be bad. Their electric may not be the success story that their diesels have been, or their you know, it's a whole new ball game, and it's a very expensive ball game to dabble in. And if you dabble, and uh, you get the wrong bus, you got a really expensive boat anchor. Yeah, right. That's, that's, that's my worry. Due diligence. Yeah, that's my worry. Is as as these buses are coming in, and you know, people either not or. Right, the product still—it's it, not that it's new, right? It's just—it's still pretty unattainable for most. So I'm—I'm I'm afraid that as districts come into this and they make that investment and they're starting to figure out. We just heard this last week, you know, a district that purchased—I uh, think he's got a purchase of two or three, but he's working on the infrastructure to come in and they're figuring out like their their facility can't take any more power like they they can't even mm-hmm. he was basically mm-hmm. saying i can't even plug in a hair dryer before we're completely tapped out so you know yes i think that front it, it seems like a little bit of like maybe camouflage or sleight of hand right hey here's this free money for you hey we're gonna help with your infrastructure but to what point right do you have to now you know be trenching you know, a uh, thousand feet worth of new electricity coming from the closest power to your facility, um, you know, or for some of these districts that are bringing in 15, 20, 30 vehicles that they're, you know, they're making this giant investment in, like, what does that look like as far as having a, you know, sub transformer or something like on your facility in order to be able to, to house that much power to charge all these vehicles? So, uh, a, all those a things district that definitely needs to start of. now. Yeah. And figuring yeah. out the infrastructure side and what it's going to take. The bus purchase is the last thing you do, right? Everything else needs to be, even if you're looking at a year or two years down the road, start to figure it out. Now, start to figure it out now. Get a, a, you know, someone in there that knows what they're doing with the, with the uh, chargers and preferably usually not some local guy, right? Get a, a major company that's working with one of the, the manufacturers. They've been vetted. You know, they, they know what that they're a good company can handle it. Bring them in, start to figure out what you're going to need, start to figure out, like you said, the power supply. Probably going to have to drop a transformer. You may have it. It may not be where you want it for the bus. You may have to trench a line, run it over to the charging station. So you're right. But figure all that out now. Get an idea what it's going to take now. I mean, you order an electric bus now, you're 10, 11 months before you get it. Minimum, right, and it's right? how much how much okay, is the industry going to change in a year by the time you get <laughs> by the time yeah. you get that? Yeah, what are they but, find new? but but you start now. You know what your infrastructure is. You know what that's going to entail to get up to where you need to be to, in order to buy that electric bus, because there's some chargers that are six eight months out as well. So figure all that out right now before you even go get a quote from a bus. I mean, I've been telling people figure out your infrastructure before you even get a quote from a bus. Because it's going to be expensive, but how expensive is your infrastructure going to be? How demanding is it going to be? To, and how much time is it going to take for you to get this put in place? How much is it going to cost you to put this in place? Like, figure all that out before you even step out and apply for a grant. Because you can get started. You know what it's going to take to get you ready for an electric bus. Because the last thing anybody wants is an electric bus to show up, get delivered, and you're sitting there waiting on infrastructure, you can't even charge it. Like, what yeah, good yeah. is that thing for you? Like, it's no good. That is you true. Know, and and there's been a, there was a district out in California that went out and bought a couple of electric buses. They had chargers put in place. Now this is great. Well, they showed up. They went to plug in the chargers. Like These things are charging really slow. It took like three days to charge a bus because they didn't buy the right charger because they didn't go out and talk to the right people and get the right information. 
And you got to so talk with the energy companies too, because especially those ones, if you're only going to get a bus or two, okay. But the ones that are making a bunch of buses and are going to want to make a big effort. Well, can you plug in at the end of the morning run and juice up? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. if you can't, and more like that's the most expensive time in the middle of the day in Texas in the heat, they're not going to want you to be pulling that much energy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So you're going to have to be limited to time. So you have to make, be sure, is that bus going to handle the route that you're going to put it on? And now you're talking about limiting a hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of investment into what you can use it for. Can you yeah. send it out on field trips? Mm-hmm. No. No. Because no. You, don't have a, you don't have a place to plug it in somewhere. But you know what's going to happen? As soon as you have that nice new electric bus and sitting there and and you have a team that made playoffs or like in Bernie, we've had like every team seems to be making playoffs right now, which is a great problem to have. I'm proud of them. But wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so why, why can't we use that one? And that's, you know, you better, you better have everything ready of like, yes, I can send it out yeah, and, and let you well, take it and bring it back. Because that school is 120 miles away and 120 yeah. miles back. They don't have a charger and our bus has a 220 mile range. Do the math. It doesn't work. You're right. I mean, you just like propanes, you know, here we have that yeah. same limitation yeah. uh, in Texas. It's uh, and in my part of Texas, I can't, there's ways to get propane. But that depends on a vehicle getting out there and all. So every everything has its pros and minuses. You know, you got diesel, not as clean. Everything has plus and cons. We just got to commit to what do you want to do and just make sure you, you give. My job is to give my boss as much information as I can because I'm not the one that has to make that decision. Yeah. <laughs> I give my two and, cents. And, and, you know, the, the okay, now you've got the infrastructure, you've got the bus, you've got everything in place, you figured out which route. Now you got to train the driver. You got to train the driver how to drive it properly. It's not like it's not like jumping into you know diesel or propane or gas bus and just you go and then you come back and you. I mean, there are things like the regenerative braking. I touched on this last week with a customer. That oh yeah. Picture a Jake brake in a diesel bus. Right, works great. Helps slow you down. There's three settings on ours. The the highest setting is a very very powerful Jake brake. You could actually you could run a route using regenerative braking and the only time you touch the brake pedal is to come to from a three mile prior to zero stop at the bus stop a driver could literally run a route using regenerative braking never touching their brake except at the last three mile prior that's it now think about if you had a jake brake and when you let off and that jake brake you know kicked in it pumped diesel back into your tank a little bit of diesel back in your tank every time you use it that's what regenerative braking does is it gives you free energy. It gives you free charge. You're using your brakes. You're wearing them out. Don't do that. Use your regenerative braking. Get money. Get, you know, energy back in the battery. Save the district. Even if it's, you know, a dollar a day. That's a dollar a day. Oh, yeah. And, and you're not wearing out your brake pads, your brake shoes. You're not having to, you know, change those as often. They should last three, four years before you ever have to touch your brakes if you yeah. drive the bus properly. So there's there's a whole new... A whole new part of that after you get all that in place and that's teaching the drivers how to drive them properly and actually i'm nerdy about that i've, I've got one on order right now and that's i'm most excited about getting it in taking it up there and teaching the driver how to drive this bus like i want to i want to show them like this it's not optional to use regen braking use it use yeah, it all the yeah. time use it every chance you get if you don't you're costing your district money that's gonna be i mean that that's the big pro of that um, the, the back-end questions, being able to answer all that stuff, because you're always going to have your your people that are going to ask questions that, that really research it, like, okay, what about the battery disposal? What about, hey, how do it, for me, it's service. 
how am I going to get that fixed? You know, now um, where it's hard enough to mm-hmm. find diesel uh, technicians. Uh, once I get past that warranty period, uh, I'm going to have to get an electrician now, you know, uh, to be able to handle all that stuff. So uh, am I going to, what's that going to cost? What's that, what's the long-term uh, impact on that? Which I, I'm telling everyone in, in Texas, uh, we, uh, we resist uh, the federal government and tell us what to do. Uh, so and I, I can appreciate it. Uh, that's why I'm living here. Um, but I, I know with electric uh, being pushed so much, um, it, it, it's going to come to a point where we're going to be told, uh, hey, you are going to have X amount of percentage. You have to attain this much. It's yeah. it's coming down the road. Just like just like what happened with uh seatbelts you know that's it's 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 gonna be a federally mandated it's gonna be enforced and it's gonna happen so it's something that it's coming it's just don't don't, don't get me started on seatbelts and school buses <laughs> i'm not a fan are, are you gonna be ready for it when it comes or not and uh you know and, and we're looking at it now I'm, I'm a fan of believe me i'm a fan of every little neat little new uh new technology new thing so i'm gonna be digging into that and uh i don't know hopefully we can jump in but i think uh Definitely to look at some other districts that are in similar landscape as ours and uh, hills, and then definitely be digging into that. Well, but and if you yeah. have any more questions, you've got my email, by the way. Happy to help you out. Happy answering questions I can for you. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Sales, even even though I can't sell you a boss, I'll still help you. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. I'll have to get by Fred first. He'll get. The, he'll get jealous. There you go. Yeah. Uh, don't just don't tell him. So, John, right. as, as we close it up, uh, leave us with some some words of wisdom that maybe you would want to share with a new incoming director that maybe something that you didn't know or wish you would have known. Obviously you had some good leadership that you were able to, to shadow from, but you know, what are, what are some, uh, you know, a couple thoughts that, um, you know, for somebody that may be just getting into this going, what did I just get myself into? What, you know, what are some thoughts of just what they should be aware of or what they, sh- what they should be doing and kind of thought process. Well, I got I got lucky and I got to learn for a year under one of the best in the business, and not just because he's my dad, but he's, he was really good. So that that was good, and but and hardly anyone gets that chance. So what I've seen, the best advice I can give is number one, get become part of professional organization. It's going to suck up time afterward, more time than you already do, but you have to reach out, find out those people around you. Don't become an island. You know, it, we're independent school districts here in Texas. So we attend this to focus on ourselves and, and, and in transportation and not look anywhere else. But you're not going to learn by studying yourself. You know, you've got to go out and look at everybody else. And don't think that just because you're a small district that you don't uh, or a large district um, that what you do is completely wrong or completely right or either way that no one else can learn anything. Everybody, I, I learned something from every size district. When I was a 40 bus district, there were things we were doing great that I could see was scalable to be used over at a the the, the fifth largest or the fourth largest district in in Texas and and hey we can do that over there we were doing things better in, in some ways there were things in large districts like you know what we can condense this down and, and do this in a smaller district like here in Bernie there's stuff I can do that I learned from Northside so expand your 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 network and, and talk to everyone and just remember. Um, I've run, especially some of the up and coming developing uh, directors when you, it's pretty intimidating when you first go into the meetings and you're there with the principals and doctors and all this stuff and all this education, um, the degrees, and you're getting these meetings with them 
and I seen a, a lot of, uh, I mean, they, they become really quiet because they feel like they don't have much to contribute. But just remember, you are the most, the smartest person, the most knowledgeable person in school transportation in that room. No one is smarter than you when you go to these kind of meetings. So speak up, say what you have to say. Don't don't think you have nothing to contribute to these district level meetings. You know, say something and, and tell your story. Tell the transportation story to whoever will listen, because the more people that know a little bit about what you do and what you what what you need, um, the more chances you have of getting the resources down the road. Someone else is going to tell your story. Yeah. Um, and it's not just telling like I need more buses, I need more. No, tell them about the the stories of what your bus drivers are doing, and and this this kid singing on the buses, and and uh, the 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 bus assistant that taught her her student how to tie their shoes, and all the little things like that. Say say things like that, and 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 in your community, that will you got to be out in your community, and they, they need to know what your bus drivers are doing. Uh, I I can't. I think you said that perfectly well, right? I just. Getting yeah. there, telling your story, telling, you know, explaining what they do. We're not, you know, I, I hate the phrase, I'm just a bus driver, right? And that's, mm-hmm. it, we hear it all the time, and it, it goes so far beyond that. I think that the more that, you know, district leaders, transportation leaders are championing their teams and getting in front and saying, you know, of course, we'll always do what we need to do to support the, you know, the district and the overall goal of education, but I think at the same time, we need to be able to sit there and go to bat for our teams and say, you know, we need this and this, you know, you need to, you need to figure out how to give it to us because it's, it's a necessity. This isn't just an ask. So I definitely think that, um, you know, to your point of getting involved with your, your department or your, your organization, state organizations, right. Even if that just means going to the annual conference, right. Just, Take mm-hmm. four days out of your whatever that I'm assuming it's probably a three four day conference, but you know go learn don't and, and be humble don't don't sit there and think like you know everything in the room you know even if you're a twenty plus year director right you're you're always able to learn something and I think that's the key and and then for those people that want to get involved and give back right I mean I'm coming into my seventh and last year of being on our transportation uh, organization board here and. You know, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of, you know, uh, f- my free time and, you know, giving up as a volunteer to, to, to give back to our state of, you know, three, 400 people that come annually and, you know, putting our Zoom meetings together. We do a monthly leadership um, Zoom meeting where any, pretty much any leader, you want the invite, come to it. We're just sit there and talk shop for an hour and, you know, try and figure out how to help each other out. So, I think it takes more of those people that are willing to give back and keep, you know, leading the community. And, you know, if we don't, if we don't do it, it it's just going to fall by the wayside and we're back to banging our heads against the wall thinking, you know, it's us against the world. So hard stuff. Be persistent. To, yeah. Be persistent. That is definitely true. Yeah, for sure. Well, John, I appreciate your time. It's uh hour goes quick, man. So good good work oh, that you. you've been doing and I, I appreciate the message that you're sharing out there on linkedin because you know the more that people share that and it starts getting across to other you know organizations or other business professionals that maybe aren't even in the school business right they they see that and they go you know what i'll give school bus driving a shot so i think that that's a, a solid positive message out there for anybody that isn't friends with john i, I recommend you connecting with him and um, checking out what they have going on over there bernie and 
um, you know, appreciate uh, your service for the country and, you know, what you've done for us. So that's, uh, you know, kudos to that. And happy Easter, and thanks for being here with us, all right? All right, thanks. Uh, Coincidentally enough, I felt like I'm in Texas with you. I just watched a Dodge Ram drive by, an older one. It was covered head to toe in Dallas Cowboy stickers. It's like, oh, uh, my God, am I, am I in Texas? There you go. <laughs> well, thanks for the invite. Uh, yes, thanks thank for, you. Uh, thanks for uh, paying your taxes there. When you saw, like, uh, whenever some thanks for my service, I'm like, oh, keep paying those federal yeah. taxes because yeah. I like my retirement check yeah, to keep coming. So thanks a lot. All right. <laughs> You're awesome. Thank you. Yep. Everybody take care. Thanks for stopping in for another episode, and uh, we'll be back together next week for another one. All right. Chad, see you. Be safe. Sweet. And uh, John, take care. Thank you again. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Jason. Stay safe, John. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. <laughs> And check out the website at www.haybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off. <laughs>